Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Alex Sanfilippo on the line. Alex, how are you? Michael, I'm doing great, man. It is an honor to be here with you. I'm a fan of your podcast and your work, so I am just excited to be here with you today. Uh, I'm a fan of the work that you're doing too, and I know we talked about that a little bit in the pre-show. So uh, tell the audience a little bit about you, and then we'll dive right into some, some really cool things that you've learned in your career that you've been able to apply into your next career, which I think the audience will be able to resonate with. Yeah, definitely. So for me, I've been somebody who's just enjoyed entrepreneurship from a young age. I remember the first, I guess, experience or exposure I had to entrepreneurship was actually doing uh, selling used golf balls in my neighborhood. We had a golf course across the street and I'd go over there and sell golf balls. And ever since then, I've been just in love with the idea of it. However, I got into corporate America at a pretty young age. I was 18 and just kind of wanted to try something. So I got into the aerospace industry and actually did 15 years in aerospace. And just recently, I've actually gotten out of aerospace. And now I'm focused full-time on uh, what used to be the side hustle, which is Podmatch and my podcast, Creating a Brand. And that's what I really enjoy doing from a work perspective. Outside of that, I love spending time with my friends, my family, my wife. Those are things I thoroughly enjoy. The relationships have been what has made my, my life just so meaningful. And uh, the rest of what I do is kind of like the icing on the cake because I also love to work, uh, which isn't what everyone loves to do. But those two things together have, have helped me have a very meaningful life. You know, the aerospace to podcaster um, connection, sometimes people go, how did that happen? <laughs> but, you know, again, for so many people that have gone on to launching their own organization or several businesses, those businesses are more or less different on paper than yeah. what they were doing before, which makes a lot of sense because if you love the work that you're doing, then instead of launching your own business in that space, unless there's a really good reason for you to go out on your own doing that same thing, I, I tend to find most entrepreneurs are doing something slightly different that ties more into their interest and not what they were doing before. Um, so it makes sense. But in the pre-show, you, you mentioned you know, some skills that you'd picked up you know, during your aerospace career that you brought along for the ride. And in my career, I started off in public accounting and then I was in IT management and then healthcare executive and then launched breakfast leadership while I was doing some healthcare stuff. And then similar thing where it's like, okay, now it's time to say goodbye to that and, and go you know, full on with this. And, but the thing of it is, all the tools and skills that I picked up along the way in those different careers, I brought along with and kind of molded them into the skills that I continue to use today. And if somebody asks, well, where did you pick that up? I might be able to tell them, well, I probably picked it up here. But quite frankly, it's just, it's like going in, you know, like people that have a ton of tools, like, well, I picked up that one there and there. And it's like over the years, you just look at this big tool bag, you got all of these different skills that you've picked up along mm -hmm. the way. And, and sometimes you use different ones uh, to help you through your entrepreneurial journey. So that's cool that you, um, we're able to do that. So let's dive into that. Um, those four steps that you picked up uh, in yeah. your career and, and, and how you're applying it to today. Yeah, you know, I, you bring up a really great point to kind of start this off. And that's that you, you don't always have to do the same thing. I think that maybe society tells us, okay, that you're, you're an aerospace guy, so you should be in aerospace for your entire career. And I think that a lot of people maybe feel like that would be more natural. But in the, the day, like you're saying, like we use our skills to 
to help us in the next phase of life or the next thing that we want to try. For me, I knew that if I didn't take this step into podcasting, something I've really grown to love, I would always probably regret it. And it was something I said, you know what? I took a calculated risk and made the decision. Okay, I'm going to take a temporary salary cut because I'm not making as much in podcasting as I was in aerospace. I'm going to go ahead and do it and see what translates into podcasting. So a quick disclaimer, I am not an astronaut. Uh, I'm not a fighter pilot and I'm not a skydiver. So I say I work in aerospace, but I actually work behind a computer as a commercial operations director. So my job was for a multi-billion dollar company to control the profit margins and the processes that we had as an organization. So when I got into podcasting, people immediately asked me, how on earth are you doing so much? And it's because I was very good at understanding to fo- how to focus on what's profitable and how to build a system around it. So it, I took that straight into podcasting. Now, I, I wasn't always that way. Like and when I first got started in aerospace, at one point I hit the middle management level, which Michael, you know, that's in my mind, that's the toughest place to be in business is that middle management level is just crazy. And I hit a point of burnout. Like I, I decided I wanted out of my relationships. I wasn't married to my wife or dating my wife at that point. It was someone else. Uh, sorry to who that person is, but I was like, I'm, I'm done with the relationship thing. I want to quit my job. I hate all of this. Like everything just, it, it hit me really hard. And at a young age, like I started losing my hair in my early twenties because of this job. And it wasn't a bad job. It was because I didn't know how to manage it. Like I, I didn't understand burnout. And I really honestly needed your content, Michael, at that point, like really badly, but here we are today. Now I listen to it. <laughs> so this never happens again. But during that time, I kind of figured out these four steps that I use with everything that I've done uh, up till now. And I'll kind of talk about how it helped me then and how it's actually helped me into what I'm doing now. And the four things are, I look at automating, delegating, educating, or eradicating everything that I do. And those are the four main things that I've done. And I'll just kind of jump into those, Michael, if you'd like me to go ahead and share the definition for each. Please, please do. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really interested. And I'll, I'll definitely, I always listen to my shows anyway, but I'm definitely going back and taking notes on this one for sure. But yeah, let's dive into those four. Perfect. So the first of which is I mentioned is to automate. So when I'm sitting behind a desk or I'm, anything I'm doing, now I do this with creating a brand, my podcast or Podmatch, my, my service that I provide. I do this with these things as well. The first thing I sit down and look at is, okay, here is my pile of work. I take inventory of everything I'm doing. And that's always step one. You take inventory. So you have everything written out. For me, it's whiteboards that are behind me right now. I've got three whiteboards and they've just got everything written out. And I sit back and say, okay, can any of these things be automated? Is there any way I can automate these? And that doesn't mean I have to create an automation myself. Like I don't need to go out and design AI to do my job for me, but I can look at different services. Are there any free or very affordable services out there that can make some of this process automated so I don't have to do it manually? So in the podcasting space, something really simple I was able to do is um, there's a ton of tools, but there's something called repurpose.io, which basically converts my audio podcast into video format um, using just like a, a, a screen in the background and also shares on social media, all these different things I was doing that were taking, it was taking about an hour every week to do these things. It did it all automatically for me. So I was able to actually automate that. Now, back in the, the day when I was uh, in, in aerospace, there's a lot of tech involved in aerospace. So I just met with an IT person once a week and said, hey, here's what I'm doing all the time. Can we automate any of these things? And here's a recent example of that. Right before I was leaving the organization, I actually walked through my warehouse, which I was responsible for. That was one of my division, uh, departments in my division of the company. So I was walking through and I saw the manager. She was going through multiple pages, just signing them. And it, was, it looked like about a stack of hundred pages. And I said, hey, what are you doing? What are you sign- Why are you signing all those? And she's like, oh, well, they don't print on the invoice. I was like, okay. So when you print it, it doesn't have a signature. I'm like, could we add a signature to that so you don't have to do this? She's like, oh, I never really thought about it. So we went to IT together. I said, we had a signature here. It took the IT department less than 30 minutes to do it. And we estimated that it gave her an additional six days of time that year. So six days, I mean, think about what you could do with six extra days. And for me, one hour a week with creating a brand, the podcast, it's done a lot. So automate is the first thing you have to sit back and do. After you take inventory, sit back and say, okay, here I am. 
what can I automate that I'm doing here? And that's, that's step one, Michael. I don't know if you want to weigh in on anything there before I move on, if you want me to just keep on running through it. No, automation is a game changer for all the things that we do um, mm-hmm. from scheduling podcasts and interviews or, you know, having people fill out the, sh- you know, back behind the scenes, having people yeah. fill out the show notes. So that way it's literally cut and paste kind of thing. And, and, and utilizing, you know, a system to record and it, you know, it, it does everything, you know, without having, you know, a sound system and all the, you know, classic recording things that you would normally see like TV studios and all of that. There's a lot of work there where there's been a lot of automation and even, during this pandemic, there's more tools that are coming out that'll make things even easier to automate. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge advocate for it because, again, it gives you the time where you can focus and work on the things that only you can do. Right. And when you're working in that space, that's the sweet spot and that's the stuff you enjoy doing. No one likes editing a podcast except for the people that edit podcasts. They right. love it. They, they enjoy the heck out of it. And I know Chris, who's listening right now, I know he enjoys it. He was actually, a, you know, backstory. He listened to my show first. He was a subscriber and then said, hey, you know, you know I can do some editing. I'm like, thank you. Let's do it. And I've uh, been doing it ever since. So it's, it's just one of those things when you can automate certain things, it frees you up to just do either more of what you like or again throwing a burnout tip here you know schedule that time where you're not doing anything or doing something yeah. you're enjoying and when you do that it just it, it makes the work more enjoyable so no i definitely am a big fan of automation so what's the next one so next one is kind of you touched on a little bit here even it's, it's delegation so there's certain things that just can't be automated so automation, you should immediately look for the thing that you do the same way every single day or every single week. When you're like, oh, I got to do this again. It takes you 10, 20 minutes. Like Michael's saying, spend that time outside, take a walk, like relax for a little bit instead of doing that mundane task and find a way to automate it. And those tools are just coming everywhere. Now, there are other things where you're like, okay, there is no way to delegate this or sorry, no way to automate this. It has to be delegated instead. So again, the whole idea is we start with inventory. And the end result, now that, now that I'll mention after you focus on automation, which is just the things that no one should be doing, is the delegation portion, which are the things that maybe you really, really don't enjoy or the things that just don't really drive the needle forward for what you're trying to do. They don't add any value to the overall growth, but they need to be done, right? These are things that, okay, we've determined they have to be done, can't be automated, I hate them, or they don't drive any results, so I need to delegate these things. It's so important we make sure we do that. And that's where you have someone like Michael as Chris. Chris is doing his, his editing of his, of his podcast because at the end of the day, the actual act of editing doesn't necessarily do anything to grow his brand, to, to drive book sales, to, to help him get more time to, to work on more writing projects or anything else that he's doing, coaching. Like he can't do those things unless he's willing to delegate certain things that don't drive any direct result. So for all of us, we have to think about that. And for me in the, corp- the corporation I was in working in aerospace, that was tough for me because I was at middle management. So everything got pushed on me. But what I didn't realize is that it didn't all have to rest my shoulders. I had teams of people that were working for me, even in middle management, where I could delegate tasks to them, be like, hey, this will take you 20 minutes a day. I need you to do this. And hey, you can do this. Not only does it help me feel less stressed and get more things done, but also it enables someone else to be a little bit more valuable in the organization. I mean, it really does help someone else get the opportunity to, to step up and do something They're like, oh, usually a manager does this and now I'm doing it. And that's an awesome thing that you can do for somebody. And here's the thing. I found this in a, in a company's, any company I've ever done coaching with, they're always like, well, I don't want to delegate too much because like people will see I'm not doing a lot. No one has ever gotten fired for working themselves out of a job. You're going to get promoted if someone finds it like, wow, they're getting all their work done and they're barely even doing anything. That's the person that gets promoted. And I found that to be true because I worked my way up from a part-time receiving clerk to eventually 
ending up as a senior executive. There were six of us that were running the company. I was one of those six people. And it's because usually I didn't have a lot of work to do because I was busy doing the automated, automating it, delegating it, and educating, which I'm going to get into now in a second here. But that's really my take on, on delegation, Michael. Yeah, I sucked at delegation a long time ago. <laughs> Me which too. <laughs> which led to my burnout and my year worst case scenarios and all of that. And then the pendulum swung the other way where now anything lands on my desk, I go, who besides me can mm. do this? That's a powerful if question. If I can't find anybody, then I go, maybe I need to find somebody or can it be automated or can I, not to jump ahead, but do I even need to do this type mm-hmm. of thing? And I, I love the fact you highlighted this. And ironically, this morning I was interviewed um, about delegation of all things. So it's kind oh, of cool. It's a delegation day. It's a great thing. But, you know, I yeah. am at home where one, it, it you, you, we're all capped by time and what we can accomplish in a day. We are our own limit when it comes to success and growth of organization because there's a time component. You have to scale things. So that's why focusing on only things that you're good at and the things that you only you can do makes a big difference. And when you delegate, you're creating opportunities for growth for the people that are doing it, You know, whether it's podcasting, you know, giving, you know, there's a revenue stream for Chris to edit my shows. Uh, the other things that I delegate, the vendors that I use, that's generating revenue for those organizations so they can do the things that they want to do. It grows the economy, it grows everything. And then it allows me to do more and speak at events and speak in front of organizations and help them navigate through burnout and all of that, which I couldn't be doing as much if I was doing all the things that I delegate. So mm-hmm. it's it, it just, your business just by law and time and everything like that will grow if you delegate those things so you can focus on the things that you're really good at and only you can do. So um, I'm a big advocate for delegation. I, I wish I was, you know, back in 2007, eight and nine, but you know, lesson learned. <laughs> Yeah. My my wife actually who taught me this though, by the way, I used to be the guy who was like super micromanaging, like hands on everything. And eventually she's like, you just need to delegate and trust some other people to do some, some work really well for you. And the day I kind of like let go of that feeling of control, because the truth is I was never actually in control. I just thought I was because I was so close to it. When I backed away, I learned it. She was right. I was like, wow, this is great. And I was also learning the things I was delegating because I got good at delegating and figuring out someone else's strengths. There was people I was delegating things to that did things better than I ever would be able to. Like I couldn't even do it at their capacity. I'm like, dang, they did that so fast and so accurate. Like I can't even do that. But I think Michael, you asked a great question. Like who else can do this other than me is a great starting point that like, I'm literally going to use that from now on. That's some great wisdom right there. Oh, my pleasure, Jan. And, you know, my uh, last organization I worked for before launching this one, um, my executive assistant hated when I said that because (laughs) she often was the one that had to kind of find that person or she had to do it. And she would say, okay. And then she'd give me the list. Here's everything you've delegated to me. Um, What's the top priority? And of course, the wrong answer is all of them. Mm -hmm. The correct answer is what do we really need to get done now and what would make the most sense? Because a lot of those things, world's not going to end if we don't do them. And I think that's, we sometimes for those of us that were bad at delegation, we looked at everything as being priority 1A. Well, they're just not possible. Mm -hmm. Pick, Pick a couple things a day to work on, do those really well, and then reflect on that work. And again, as an executive, you know, one of the reasons why you were successful as well was because you weren't doing things all the time, it gave you that time to kind of relax, reflect, observe, look ahead. 
and look at things and okay, we, we just rolled out this new initiative and it went really well. Okay. Let's take some time and figure out why did it work really well? Is there anything mm-hmm. that we learned in that process that we can apply anywhere else in the organization or on the next project or somewhere else? And it's, that's why it's so important for everybody. doesn't matter what level you are to have some of that, you know, not doing anything time. So you can just kind of relax. And then that's when clarity comes in. You start coming up with ideas. That's why we all have ideas in the shower or when they're in the right. bathroom, things yeah. come, come to mind because we're not multitasking at that point. We're kind of doing just one or a couple things and the it quiets down and your brain goes, how about this initiative? And it happens all the time, you know, from the name of my organization to the chief burnout officer title that came up with right. all the things. We're in moments of just reflection, quiet. Okay. You know, and it's like, oh, that, that works. And it's worked out well. And I, I highly recommend it for everybody to find and schedule those periods of quiet time and reflection mm-hmm. time to be able to um, get some clarity on how things are going really well and, uh, that's where the creativity can flow. So, yeah, stuff. it's beyond important. I'm, I'm going to jump into this next one here, but first, I want to just mention that you had a, a guest on recently who's a mutual friend of ours, Norman Norman Wolf. Yep, he, he has the Living Organiza- Organization is his book. He talks a little bit about this. I haven't listened to the episode yet because it's pretty new, but uh, uh, he really gets into some things that like really helps exponentially or extraordinarily grow a business. So that, that's a good episode for your audience to listen to. Like I'll reference that as something for like continued education on this little topic we just covered here. Uh, it's so important. So, I mean, creativity is really key, but again, that was a, I'm looking forward to, to hearing, hearing that full episode, but thanks for having uh, that guy on Norman's Norman's a, a rock star. So anyway, um, back to today though, right? Um, I don't mean to have an ad for you there, but uh, uh, anyway, the uh, the next one is to uh, educate. So we've got automate, delegate, and delegation can also, if you're like rolling solo and you're like, well, I don't have a team, you can hire a VA at any point. So keep that in mind. VAs are very affordable and they can be something you can delegate to. But the next one for sake of time is educate. And education just means that these are the things that you need to do that are really driving the results. These are things, again, I need to focus on this. For me, it's doing my own podcast interviews. Like that drives results. I'm going to do that. But what I do is I make sure that I build educational material around it. So for me, it's, it's an SOP, standard operating procedure. So for me, I know that my podcast has 22 steps from time I reach out to the guest until time I hit publish. What needs to happen in those 22 things? I wrote out an entire training document for it, even though right now it's just me. But at some point, if I want to scale, I need to have those things. Perfect example is this when I moved from, uh, I guess, upper management into senior leadership at that aerospace organization. When I was moving, they're like, hey, your job, you've been doing it for, for a few years. Like, it's going to be tough to train other people to do this now. Like, there's going to be a lot to it. And I was able to say, no, that's not the case. I have written training on everything that I do. I could train somebody in less than a month to do this job, which again, doesn't make me sound like, well, I wasn't really doing much, right? Because that's most people's first reaction. Like, oh, well, it must be an easy job then. The truth was, it was very involved. But over the years, I just continuously improved training documentation. And when I delegate something to somebody, I'd have them read my training documentation and then tell me where it could be better and actually write in a way to improve it. So you can do this from day one when you start a business. And I recommend people to do it. Start writing your SOPs, the things that you every time, that standard operating procedure, be prepared to educate other people on it. Because as you grow, at some point, you're going to have to offload certain things from you. So education is so key and you are responsible for it. You might not be the best coach or the best trainer or anything like that on, from a training standpoint, but you have to start somewhere and begin writing things to make sure that, again, it doesn't just stop with you, that someone else could eventually pick it up and do it. So educate is such an important part of this. Yeah, I'm a huge procedures and systems 
fan. Yeah. Um, I find it is helpful. And again, it helps when you put it on paper, you see things and you go, actually, I missed a step. Or, or you actually can also look at it and go, seems like there's three or four extra steps that I'm doing here that I really don't need to do because I can just do this instead. And so it gives you an opportunity to be a little bit more efficient and refine the work that you do. And again, you know, I, I think back to, you know, when I uh, had my cardiac event and with the burnout situation back in 09, you know, there, I was off of work for 17 weeks. And wow. thankfully there was, you know, some documentation that I had done, not fully because I didn't quite have time to do it, but there was things in place that made it easier for people to pick up and continue the work while I was away. Um, they got so good with it, they decided they didn't want me back anyway, but that's another story for another day. <laughs> right. um, but I, I mean, I was too good at it. No, I'm just kidding, people. Don't. <laughs> it's best to document. Don't be afraid of losing your job. And for those of us that have gone through that, you can find another one. There's, uh, as long as there's monsters and Indeed, and all the other job searches, there's still jobs out there. Don't worry. Even in a pandemic, believe yeah. it or not, um, you're right. So they're there. Um, my better half switched jobs, you know, a few months ago, and it's awesome. So it's it, it's possible. It just you, patience and being in the right place. But education and documentation is beneficial for the person that's creating it because they can look at it and go, yeah, "There's efficiencies," but also too, it, it's knowledge and it's a way where if for some reason you have to move on to a different project. It's like, but I have to take care of this. Well, we're going to bring somebody in to take care of that. So you can focus on this new adventure, which is going to, you know, grow our organization by another billion in revenue within five years. Oh, okay, great. You know, and then all of a sudden someone can go in, you don't have to worry about, it's like, what's going to happen to my old department? Well, you documented everything. Mm -hmm. They're going to go into it and do it well. And using what you said earlier, they might actually do it better just because of their better dynamics for that role. It's 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 funny. It's like I, I I love when I look back at organizations that I've left, and someone's been in there and they've done something better than I did. I I celebrate. It's like that's awesome. That because it benefits everybody else there, and the clients they serve and everything else. But yeah, I, I I think there's always that opportunity. And again, that goes back to what I said before about giving yourself enough time to be able to do that documentation. Mm -hmm. And if you're micromanaging and you got your hands in everything and you're working on everything, you're not going to finish anything. So right. it's a huge, huge step. Yeah, hundred percent. And I knew you're good at this because somehow you do so much with your podcast. I'm like trying to add a second day right now. I'm looking at you, Michael, and like, how does this guy do it? I know you're good at the training side of things. Like, I know you've got this figured out because you're really making it happen. But uh, anyway, so the last piece again, that's automate, delegate, educate. And the last one is to eradicate. Now, this is where you really want to sit down and be a little bit more strategic because we all end up, especially entrepreneurs, if you have an entrepreneurial mind, you end up doing some things that don't actually make sense because you're high capacity, because you can, because someone said it would be valuable but this is where it goes back to taking inventory and actually looking at results of things. Is this really making sense? So there's the old 80-20 rule, right? What we're doing 80% of the time is, I'm sorry, what we're doing 20% of the time is actually producing 80% of the results. So what we want to do is take things away that are not fitting into that. So what's that extra time that you're spending on things that don't really drive business forward or make it grow? Do you really need to do those things? So a perfect example of this is one of the few platforms you can't uh, automate uh, from social media standpoint. I know I've used social media as an example already, but I'm going to use it again because it's really, I believe, very, um, it's a lot of people are doing this, right? So Instagram is really hard to automate right now. Like they're, they're making some, some strides with this, but in general, it's pretty difficult. So that one was completely manual. And I had, I wasn't doing anymore. I had delegated it, but I was still responsible for it. So one day I was like, you know what? Let me look at the stats 
to see how many people are coming from Instagram to listen to the podcast. And it was where we were spending most of the time because everything else was automated. So this is a manual process. We looked at it and it was the second to worst social media platform, but it was getting 90% of our social time was spent on it. So it's not even driving results. And that was one of those things we immediately said, okay, we're going to eradicate that. We're not going to do this anymore because it's not helping. And people were like, oh, that's not a good idea. Like you should have a presence on, on Instagram. But the thing is, if all of our results were coming from LinkedIn, would I be better off spending that 90% of time responding to comments, reaching out to people on LinkedIn? Yes, 100%. So that's what, what I ended up doing. And because of it, my podcast grew by 20% during a pandemic. And it's just because I made that one simple shift and said, okay, I'm going to eradicate this because from a from a time standpoint and from a result standpoint, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And the aerospace job, really similar. We were working on a project for such a long time to, to actually reach out to our customers in a different way. Um, it was really involved um, project, but I'm not going to get into all that. But instead of doing that, we decided to focus on new business. And we saw an increase year over year by doing that. And we ended up doing is saying, okay, the new process for reaching out to people, we're going to get rid of that project because it's taking too much time and the company isn't growing from it. And it's one of those things, no matter where you're at in business, I mean, I used two big extremes, the multi-billion dollar company used the eradicate idea. And I used it just with with Instagram. It's something we have to be willing to do. And we have to, again, evaluate the result. What's going to happen? What's the worst and best case scenario? And really think about it and be willing to let go. Some things are only good for a season. And then it's, you have to be willing to say, okay, it's time. And to Michael's point, something, because he kind of hinted this one all along, you have to take some time for yourself. And if you never let anything go, you're never going to have time for yourself. Life will find a way to book all 24 hours in your day if you don't intentionally control that time. So again, that's my that's that four-part framework that I use, automate, delegate, educate, and eradicate. Yeah, the eradication component is is crucial and it's something it's not a one and done type of thing it's something you want to do all the time and i'm trying to remember it was a gentleman and i'll put it in the show notes um that i haven't interviewed i actually saw him speak at a leadership event a couple of years ago and an exercise that he does um and he he's a consultant he's been a consultant with uh i know president clinton president obama uh, i think he might have worked with President Bush as well. I don't recall specifically, hmm. but I do remember wow. Obama. But an exercise that he does twice a year on January 1st and July 1st, he looks back at his calendar and he looks at all the things that he does. And he says, he picks one or two of those things and says, I am never going to do those things again. Wow. He just eradicates it and never oh does it again. And he's done this for years, um, which is like, okay, that's, you must have been doing a lot because you're still doing a lot. <laughs> so you must have a pretty big list. But it, it's important because, again, I love the Instagram analogy. I'll, I'll pick on you know the owner of that, Facebook. Everyone says, get a Facebook, do the Facebook ads, do this, get the funnels, do blah, 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 blah all this stuff. And did that in crickets. And replicated the same thing on LinkedIn. And well, what do you know? There's where my audience is. Right. It's where I'm, I don't know, make this a LinkedIn commercial unless Microsoft wants a sponsor, which I'd be more than happy to have them do that. But, uh, but at the end of the day, I have found that where my clients and my audience and the people I resonate with, I tend to find on LinkedIn because it's, it's specific. It's it's a mm-hmm. business to business or business to consumer type of situation, but more business to business, I find. And that's where it is. Um, you're not seeing the stuff you typically see on Instagram or Facebook or even Twitter. Um, it's it's very specific. So I find that you know, I'm 
you know, I get a lot more return in, in spending time on that than I do on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or anything else. I automate my social media post. I curate content, mine and other content that's regarding burnout or leadership or business or whatnot. And it all gets shared across the platforms at different times and all of that, but it's automated going back to the first thing, automation. Mm -hmm. So I, I may find it, or I've got a couple tools that I've used and I'm playing around with. Some of them are better than others um, that you know just grab the content already. Now, the only challenge with the term burnout is majority of the time you get you know article on burnout, whether it's physician burnout, workplace burnout, whatever. Hmm. But occasionally um, there will be you know uh, one of the new you know Xbox games that talks about burnout, or you know yesterday's NASCAR race. So I, I'll see it post. I'm like. Well, it's not necessarily in my genre, although my dad and I used to watch NASCAR when I was growing up. So it's not like if, if people that know me kind of know it's not that big of a stretch, but it's like, right. I'm just going to go, I'll just go and delete that post because you know, people probably recognize like, why is he putting a, a LinkedIn post on Jimmy Johnson burning out at Talladega? You know, it's like, right. what's, what's that all about? So, uh, but so it, it, it's got its quirks because it's, you know, it's computerized and AI and all that stuff. So it's still working out the kinks. But again, it's, and this is an exercise that you know, I'm starting to do now in the fall. And of course, you know, as we talked about in the pre show, we're, I take the month of December off and automate a lot of stuff and just don't do much other than just reflect and enjoy the season and, and everything else that goes on. But during that time I am reflecting and I'm looking back and going, okay, these are the things that worked well. These are things that I think need to be improved. What are some things and different ways I could approach this? Are there other tools to do it? Do I want to continue doing that or do I want to shift and maybe focus on this a little bit? Mm -hmm. And it's a perfect opportunity to do that. And again, as you wind down, you're more relaxed. Clarity comes in and that's where the ideas come in. But the biggest challenge, and I'll be completely transparent on this, the biggest challenge is you, you get all these ideas and you're like, Let's go. Let's follow up your server. I'm like, and it's like, no, you're off of work, and that's the problem. Right. With and that's one of the biggest things we're seeing right now with working from home burnout is people will think about something they need to do work, and uh, normally like, okay, I'll make a note and I'll do it tomorrow when I go in the office. Well, if you're working from home all the time now, you're at the office all the damn time. So you're like, it, that's where a lot of people need to establish boundaries around when they work and when they don't, and. Mm-hmm. It's and I'm just as guilty of it as anybody else. I oh, yeah. times where I'm like, let me do that. I'm like, no, put it down. You know, close the laptop lid. Uh, write it on a piece of paper. So you know, forget it. Or you know, if you want to use your iBanky, you could put it on that, and away you go. But at the end of the day, it's like there, there are things that we are all doing that served a purpose at the time we started doing them, but they may not now, and we need to reflect on all the things that we do because there may be some things that we're doing that we just don't need to do that's not growing our business or ourselves personally. Yeah, you're 100% right. If I could leave your audience with one thing, it's actually to just piggyback off what you just said there. And it's that we have to take that inventory. I've mentioned that a handful of times. The best way to do this is to get away from your phone, get away from your computer. And what I find the best way to do this is I just take a notepad and a pen and that is all. And I go to the place that inspires me the most. I live in Jacksonville, Florida, about 10 minutes from the ocean. So for me, the ocean, just because of where I'm at, that's kind of my spot of inspiration. So I go there. For you, it might be a cabin. It might be somewhere in the woods, like somewhere in the mountains, wherever it might be. Get there. Get back in nature. 
and get away from all the tech because you'll get, you know, you'll have an idea. It'll hit. When you do the self-reflection, you will always have that clarity start showing up or the vision will show up. And your first idea is to jump to a computer or jump to your iPhone and start really thinking it out, hashing out, getting on a whiteboard and hashing it out, right? Like those are kind of the ideas that happen. But if you really want to take inventory of your life and figure out where you're going, get away from all the tech, disconnect from all of it and really sit down with a pen and paper and just write down everything you can possibly think of. And that way, when you come back, you have a clear mind and it wasn't fogged by you sitting down to actually entertain one of the ideas that you had. But I think this is the best way to start this process is to take that inventory and do so through that self-reflection. And I've always found this to be true. The people that actually reflect the most, that really get away and reflect the most, they're the most clear. And the people that are the most clear, are the ones that are constantly winning the most at life and at business. Yeah, the clarity that pen and paper and getting out in nature uh, is so important. And even during this pandemic, I've been telling people, get out in nature. Where mm-hmm. I live in Toronto, there's a, um, a ravine and a, a river and a nature trail, literally 10-minute walk from here. Oh, and wow. I go to it frequently. Uh, try to do every morning. This morning was raining. Not so much. Uh, a little muddy when you do that, but right. on drier days I go. But when I go there, you know, my phone isn't on. I'm just looking at the trees, the the river flowing, nature, the change of leaves, of course, now in the fall, as well as things where, yeah, there's a pandemic going on. Yes, there's a presidential election going on and stress on both sides of the camp, no matter what political party you're with. It's Mm -hmm. stressful, period. Uncertainty, all of these things that are going on in this world, but you go out there, you go to the, the ocean, or you go to a river, the river doesn't care. The trees right. don't care. The so ocean true, man. doesn't care. And you're just there and you're just like, you, you've eliminated all the noise other than you know, the ripple of, of the ocean crashing into the, the shore and seagulls and, and just the air and you know, obviously Florida blue skies and you know, everything like that. It's just like, okay, it, just, it brings your blood pressure and everything else down and you, okay, what do I want to do? And you just, you know, just, you know, verbally or written, just write everything down that comes to mind yeah. and you can go back to it. And as long as you haven't worked in healthcare, like I did, you can probably read your penmanship. My, my penmanship after working with doctors <laughs> for over a decade, I look at them like, what is that? <laughs> what did I try um, to say here? <laughs> or, or where it's really problematic is you know, when you're doing stock and when you're working on your stocks and you're like, okay, I, I want to look in this stock. And you're like, is that a D or a B? And <laughs> because there's so many things, stupid stock symbols you could be buying something that's not going to do something then you see the next day and you're like yeah this one's up 420 percent you're like i bought the wrong stock and you're like like, oh man you know and then you're like oh it's it's up a penny okay where this one's up like 50 bucks a share and you're like yeah so needless to say Work on your penmanship, you know, but it, I love it. It's a good bonus there. <laughs> exactly. Do that. So Alex, I mean, we didn't even dive into Podmatch and the service on that, you know, but I, I, I I'm, I'm a client of Podmatch. I love it. If you're Thank a podcaster you. or want to get on podcast shows and this, and I'm not charging for an ad or anything like that. It's a great service because you can Thank really you find that. the types of shows that you want to be on or the types of guests that you want to have on your show. And it's, it's another one of those automate things. It saved me a ton of time to be able to find some amazing guests and, and be on some great shows so far. So um, definitely check it out at Podmash and I'll have that in the show notes. But Alex, where can people find out more about you and this awesome work you do? 
Yeah. Thank you for that, by the way. I really appreciate you talking about that. Everything I do is at creatingabrand.com, creatingabrand.com. You can find my podcast, my blog, ways to get in contact with me, any of those things. But really, I think the best thing for your audience to do is honestly to, to stick with you in this podcast. Michael, you do such a good job and like you're adding an unbelievable amount of value. Like I listen to your podcast. I hope one day you bring back your solo episodes because I miss those, but uh, you're doing such good work here. And honestly, what you're doing is truly saving lives. I mean, helping people get through burnout, man. Like that's, that can literally, that can end someone's life. And I want to say thank you for what you do. And uh, again, I'm a fan of what you're doing. It's just an honor to be here with you. But for all the listeners, stick with Michael. He's really going places. I believe he's taking people with him. I greatly appreciate that. And yes, the solo episodes will be coming back yes. really soon. <laughs> 2021 for sure. I'm, I'm going to squeeze in a few before the end of the year as well uh, in between all the interviews that are going live over the next few weeks. But yeah, um, it, it's important. And, and I appreciate you, you saying those things and reminding me of uh, making sure that that is on the um, stay to do and start doing again list and not on mm-hmm. the, uh, um, not on the delete, uh, list. So uh, I appreciate that. So definitely have all that information in the show notes, Alex, again, thank you for this awesome work that you do and, and for your time today. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the breakfast leadership show, part of the breakfast leadership network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.